Mac Power Users, episode 545, The State of the Apple Watch. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, joined by my fellow co-host, your friend and mine, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hey, David. How are you? I am great. I, you know how much I enjoy recording Mac Power Users? It just puts a spring in my step. It's good. It's a good way to start the week. We normally record these the beginning part of the week, and it's it's nice to have it have it early. Sets a good tone. And this week, I feel like we're talking about a subject that needs some love. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking about some love about the Apple Watch. Yeah, we've been going through these uh, state of episodes, talking about the Mac and iPhone and iPad, Apple services. And now we've come to Apple's, uh, at least physically, smallest platform, the Apple Watch. Yes. Before we get started, the usual announcements. We have a forum that's really great at talk.macpowerusers.com. We have a newsletter that you can sign up for right here in the show notes and get all of the uh, carefully crafted links and show notes delivered right to your inbox when the show publishes. And if you want to get the show without ads and a little extra content, sign up to become a member for the Mac Power Users uh, episode. You can do that right on the webpage. It was a succinct set of announcements. I like that. Hey, man, I'm not messing around. Today <laughs> in the uh, the member episode, we are going to be talking about Steven's iPhone that is now in the beta. It is. Ooh. Yep, I hit the button after our last episode. I've been running it for almost a week, and I have a lot of thoughts. So I'm looking forward to talking to you and getting caught up on iOS 14. And, and we're making this episode today about the Apple Watch. So, of course, you put the bait on your watch, too, right? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I took one for the team, guys. You did. I took one. That's first. a bold choice because you can't undo it yourself. You got a good Apple. I have no fear. I I march right off. The, you know the scene in Indiana Jones uh, Temple. Was it the third one? What's the third one called? Last Crusade. Last Crusade, where he puts his foot out there and just yeah. makes the leap of faith. I just did that for you guys. Uh, <laughs> and no problem. My watch still works. My wrist is not on fire. We're all good good uh, apple watch um so this was the first product that really showed up after steve left us i think so that was rumored to be the case in the lead up to the apple watch that it was going to be kind of the first full-blown product that apple had taken on after jobs death which was three years before this i don't know exactly how true that is but i mean obviously the bulk of the work happened after his uh his death and so in my mind this is the product whether or not the dates perfectly line up this is the first product that is the post jobs era this really marks that entrance for me and i think you could see that if you go i watched rewatched some of the original keynote and you can kind of see that tim cook's very emotional about it i think he had a lot invested in it and Apple was kind of out to prove that they could still do it, even without Jobs at the helm. It's a very interesting product and an interesting time. Yeah, you know, I always felt like they were getting a bum rap. I mean, Steve was amazing, amazing and and complicated. And, you know, if you're reading about him, sometimes pretty difficult. But uh, he got some of the low-hanging fruit while he was there. Like, the phone... And I think the iPad were both pretty obvious uh, places for Apple to go. And everybody's like, well, they can't innovate anymore. Well, mm -hmm. Steve got the good ones, you know? 
sure. Uh, the watch, I mean, when they introduced the Apple Watch, I think probably watch wearing was at an all-time low because of the success of the phone. I mean, how many people told you I don't need an Apple Watch? I just pull my phone out of my pocket if I want to see what time it is. Um, so I, I always feel like they got kind of a bum rap. And I would argue that like this uh, Apple Silicon transition is proof that they still know what they're doing. Yeah. But uh, the watch was that first big move. And uh, I remember when it came out, they they went to that junior college down there in Cupertino. They built mm-hmm. a refrigerated demo area outside. <laughs> yeah. And- it was the venue they introduced the first Macintosh in. So that, that – it was Danza College. It had some real nerd history about it. Yeah. I was in Cupertino going to meet some people at Apple, and I went right by that place. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the watch place. But the uh, the initial keynote was interesting. I, I feel like the Apple Watch is one of the few products Apple's announced where I'm not sure they knew what people were going to do with it. You know, I agree. In rewatching it, it feels really scattered. And I tried thinking about other big product launches. So like the iPod was a very simple device at the beginning. Put your music on it. You listen to your music. You could shuffle, right? Pretty, A pretty narrow scope of features. The iPhone was a big step out of that. The original iPhone demo, which of course is famous as Jobs' probably best keynote. Broader than the iPod, but still kind of felt cohesive. You know, Jobs had that really long demo. It was like, I'm going to go to a map and make a phone call and make a note. And it was all related. And the iPad, they had, you know, these things, this device is better than the phone and better than the laptop. The watch, really, I think they they had four big ideas. So they had timekeeping that, hey, this is a watch. A lot of the original stuff about the Apple Watch from Apple is about how exact of a timepiece it is and how beautiful it is as a watch. And that's that's fine. It was then fitness, but not a huge focus on fitness. Definitely not like, the, like there is now. Yeah. They had communication, which really revolved in the beginning. It's not even part of watchOS anymore, where you had, I think it was eight or ten close contacts. And the whole side button on the watch, the button underneath the digital crown, was dedicated to getting you to this friends interface where you could go around and message somebody or do digital touch, right? If you, I'm going to draw a little fish to tell you that I want to go out to seafood or two yellow taps means you're late to a meeting. That didn't really ever take off, I don't think. Yeah. And then there were apps. And the idea, I really think the idea was this thing will be able to do everything your phone does, a lot of it from day one. And it, kind of panned out i think out of these things fitness and communication or what the apple watch is good at and the other things are still around but really serve those first two i don't know it's just really interesting i think you're totally right i think they knew the watch was maybe not in its first iteration but in later iterations a really flexible platform in ways that the iphone wasn't because you wore it it's always with you I mean, that everybody's watch experience could be really different. And I think to try to cram all that into a generation one product, it just meant that they threw everything at the wall and hoped that at least some of it stuck. Yeah. You know, I went back and watched the original keynote as well. We're going to put it in the show notes if you'd like to go back and watch it. And the part for me that really didn't hold up, that really felt felt like that was a, uh, 
that was an over promise was the whole Kevin Lynch segment. Kevin came out and he, I think he bought airplane tickets and did all this stuff mm-hmm. on his um, watch. And I'm like, that stuff barely works now. Yeah. And it certainly didn't work on the first generation. I feel, I felt like that was a little bit of a check they couldn't cash. I, I was also thinking as you were talking, uh, the iPad, the original iPad announcement really focused on content creation over consumption. And I think those original iPads really didn't, they were more consumption than creation as well. So it, I think Apple, I mean, the watch wasn't the first thing that Apple did where they got a, the mix a little wrong with the initial launch, but I'm glad they launched it because once it got in everybody's hands, you could see where people found the real value. Yeah. And I think Apple to their credit has done a good job at following where the customers took the Apple watch in a little while. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about the apps that we use on our Apple watches and they're mostly around fitness and communication. And over time, Apple has leaned into those areas and have said, okay, you know what? Some of this other stuff, you know, all those apps are still there if you want them, but most people just want a really good fitness tracker that works with their iPhone. They get their notifications. They can respond with their voice or a simple tap. I think they've done a good job at understanding where the watch went once it was out in the market and like props to them. I, I mean, that's a, I would imagine that's a hard thing to do as someone who builds a platform and you have these ideas about what it's going to be and you see that it's used really differently out in the world to change course on that. Like I give them full credit because that, that there had to be some like humble pie eaten. I would imagine (laughs) within Apple's campus when people realized the watch was really good at some things and for other things, just not very good at all. Yeah. What was that thing? Uh, that little thing where you drew on it, where you drew the fish for sushi. Yeah. Digital touch. Yeah. So somebody spent like probably years of their life coming up with digital touch. And Mm -hmm. if you remember, there was a really kind of nice animation with the way it followed your tracing. And that person was sitting at her desk one day and someone came up and said, Hey, uh, guess what? That is getting yanked out of the operating system entirely. Yeah, Yeah. it it went from a very prominent feature to it's still present in the screen to reply to iMessage, at least in watchOS 6. I think that's the only place it is. And of course, it's on iOS too, but it was supposed to be like this language you could build with your loved ones and your coworkers and everything. And it just uh, wasn't the right idea. Yeah. Yeah, When's the last time you drew a little picture and sent it to somebody? Uh, maybe within the first week of getting the first watch. <laughs> been, a, been a minute. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't use that. They also had a thing where you could tap people where it would like tap them. And I tried using, I had a whole um, code system with my wife, like, you know, three taps means I'm on the way home and one tap means this. And, and I explained it to her and she just looked at me across the table like, Get away from me, you crazy man! <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, uh, so uh, I realized that that only works in a union of two mutually dedicated nerds, mm-hmm. and uh, there's only one nerd in my marriage. Yeah, same here. <laughs> the, so it just didn't work, you know. And um, mm-hmm. and I, I see that, and I can see how it would work internally, right? Because everybody at Apple is like, "Oh, this is great! I can draw my fish and go to sushi," but. You expose that to the outside world and uh, and the battle plan fails rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's really changed over time is the hardware, not only in terms of functionality, but even the way Apple talks about it. If you look back at that original keynote 
there's actually not, I don't think the pricing is even spoken about. Uh, it really was a, a March 2015 event where they got into the specific lines and everything. And really it was the stainless steel sort of Apple watch was in Apple's mind, the default. And then if you wanted something cheaper, you go to the aluminum, what they called Apple watch sport at the time. And they've, they've really simplified all of that now. I mean, those were like grouped into different collections. You can only get some bands with some watches and they've really made that much simpler where you basically pick your finish, pick your band, you know, the, the price uh, changes uh, depending on what you end up uh, getting, but they've made that a lot less confusing and really downplayed. This is a really expensive product, right? The stainless steel, which I, my first Apple watch was the stainless steel one. I love the way it looked, but what 99% of people get is the aluminum. And I think they've really shifted towards making it cheaper making the aluminum really a better experience with more colors and more band options. And they really had to, had to shift that too. Yeah, no. And and that was really great. And according to some numbers, I mean, who knows really, but the market share right now is about 55% of global smartwatch market share is Apple watch. They're Mm -hmm. just crushing it. I mean, I don't think they're as dominant with any other platform. I guess one of the, I was looking at some of the market research, one, site reports 7.6 million Apple watch shipped in quarter one of this year, as opposed to Samsung shipped 1.9 million. So it's just, you know, Apple watches everywhere and you see it when you walk around. I mean, I, when it's just everywhere and, and particularly, I mean, we had David Smith on a few weeks ago and he was talking about how every year at the holidays, his business explodes because he makes Apple watch apps. And, I know so many people, non-nerd types, that call me, you know, between the week of Christmas and New Year's and say, hey, I got a new Apple Watch. What am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, I think it's because of that price shift, because of the attention shift. This is fitness, notifications, communication. It yeah. isn't nearly as nerdy as it was. I mean, when I bought the first Apple Watch, I'm going to put my original review in the show notes. You can you can see that if you want to go read it. Yeah. It is a product that when it came out, I was very self-conscious about owning just like the original iPhone, just like the first AirPods, right? You, you felt really like people noticed the Apple watch. And I think I felt it cause I had the stainless steel. So it was like literally shiny. And now you go to the grocery store or go to the gym. Apple watches are everywhere. And what's so impressive about the sales figures, even though we don't know exactly what they are, cause Apple doesn't share that whatever that percentage is, remember it basically requires an iPhone. It is still a satellite orbiting the iPhone. Now that those tethers are getting loosened over time. And I think there's a day coming where the Apple watch will be cut free from the iPhone. If you just want to get one and set it up and not have an iPhone, I think that's something Apple may do in the future, but think about that. Those sales numbers that is limited to the iPhone, which while has a good market share in the U.S., that is not true around the world. Android dominates around the world. Yeah. So Apple has done a really good job at turning iPhone customers into Apple Watch users as well. Agreed. Agreed. And while I think it's important they eventually separate from the iPhone, I don't think that's the most important thing, problem to solve with it right now. No, I don't either. I think it's like on down the road. Yeah. But and we'll talk about that later. We got some ideas, mm-hmm. but it, it is really a remarkable success story. It, it started 
it didn't blow up when it first released. It took a while. I mean, like, like Steven said, they were really pushing the stainless steel models, which was, I believe $700 to get started when yeah, it first came out. Something like that. And they, they have, you know, wisely kind of shifted to the aluminum one, which, and this is interesting in that's a product where the internal computer parts were the same, whether you bought the $300 one or the $20,000 gold one. Um, and that, that's always been interesting to me that, you know, it's like the price difference doesn't change performance at all. No, it doesn't. And in fact, with the stainless steel, it may have made it worse because the Taptic motor in the early Apple watches wasn't strong enough. And the stainless steel watch, you just couldn't feel it tap you. Um, they've gotten better at that over time. But yeah, it is, you're, you're paying for fashion. We're going to talk about the fashion angle because that is a big part of this, I think, still to this day. But yeah, it's just an inter- such an interesting product because it has gone through all of these changes. And even on the watchOS side, when we get to talk about the software, it's had major changes, right? Initially, watch apps were just projected from the iPhone. Like, there weren't even yeah. really apps at all, hardly. And then they were kind of native, and now you can write native watch apps with SwiftUI, and there's complications, Then, but then there was also glances, and those are gone. Now you have the dock. Like, they've changed paradigms on watchOS a couple of times, and again... We don't see products from Apple get iterated on this quickly usually, right? The iPad stayed really similar until they got the sidebar stuff in what, iOS 9, and now the iPad is more distinct from the phone. But think about how long those platforms were lockstep with each other. Apple's been willing to iterate on the watch quicker than almost anything else. And again, I give them credit for that because it wasn't something that worked perfectly out of the box on day one. Yeah, it's one of those few instances where we get to see Apple experiment in public. And certainly with software and probably with hardware, too, I don't think there's any Apple product that has changed so much in its initial 10 years. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password, the password application to rule them all. With 1Password, you just need to remember 1Password. See how that works? It's right in the name. So you type in your 1Password, and then you can go to any of your websites, and it will automatically add your login and password for you. Not only that, 1Password will create passwords for you, strong and unique passwords. The problem a lot of folks have is they've got two or three passwords they rely on, their go-to passwords. I want you to just take a moment right now to think about that. Do you have go-to passwords in your head? If you do, that's bad. I'm not mad at you, but I don't want you to do that anymore. Because when the bad guys break into one website and they get your name and your password, your go-to password now gets tried on the other places like iTunes and your banks and all the other places. And suddenly your life is misery because you don't have multiple passwords. Well, one password creates strong and unique password so each one is different and all you have to remember is that one password it's a great service you can get an individual account you can get one set up for your family that's what i do i have the family account it's great because my kids use strong and unique passwords now too or you can get it for your work you work with a bunch of bozos that put stickies on their computers with passwords on them i know they're out there i've seen them One time I was at opposing counsel's office and they had their network password right on the computer. I could have done so much damage, but I didn't. Anyway, if they had one password, that wouldn't have been a problem. Get yourself a one password account. And 
just because one password is awesome. They did put up a blog post where they were talking about WWDC. One of the new features coming with Big Sur is the ability to autofill everywhere. So it's not just on the web, but in applications too. Uh, they've got this ability to fill passwords from third-party apps in your in your app. So when you log into a new app, you can automatically fill it in. These guys at 1Password had a working version of 1Password to do that that night. The day they announced it, like on Monday, Monday night, they had a working version. So when they ship this app, when Big Sur comes out, you're going to be right on top of things. Head over to 1Password.com slash MPU and make that MPU in all caps. I don't really understand why, but you need to do that. And when you do that, you get 20% off. So why not go today? Get a 1Password account, protect your privacy, protect your family and your coworkers' privacy, and help show your love for Mac Power users. 1Password.com slash MPU. Thanks, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. So let's talk about hardware. How does that sound? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that I, I think that's uh, what gets you most excited, right? Hardware. I do, I do love hardware very much. The original Apple Watch was, in one way, very impressive that it had... Pretty good battery life as long as you had the big one. The, the smaller Apple Watch has always suffered on the battery watch front, battery yeah. life front. But it was something I could put on my wrist in the morning, wear all day, put it on the charger in the evening, and brought notifications and fitness and all this stuff with me. The big problem with the original Apple Watch, though, is that it was painfully slow, even with apps running all of their logic on the iPhone and just projecting their UIs onto the watch, it was a very common thing to tap something on your watch and you get the little spinner and just wait and wait and wait. And that was something that Apple got a lot better at over time. The series, you know, two series three that they ended up getting much faster, better battery life They added LTE with the series three. And that was something I wanted to ask you about, David, uh, is LTE a big deal for you on the Apple watch? Okay, so I have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple of years, I've bought it, and I waste—I don't know—like a hundred bucks a year with the wireless fees. I—I um, I don't carry my phone with me when I go on walks and hikes, but I've never really needed it. Like when phone people call me and I'm walking or hiking, I'm not going to answer the phone. But mm-hmm. you know, the theory is if I fell or something, it'd be nice to have it. I'm not sure if I really need it, but I do have it. Um, I do wish that. The LTE was more responsive with app access. You know, like I could get data into apps faster with the LTE radio. As far as I can tell from my experiments, the app really needs, the phone really needs to be on Wi-Fi to get, you know, the most out of that. I kind of feel the same way. I've had it on my Series 3 and my Series 5 watches, and I pay for it. There are times where I go for a walk or something without my phone, but too often... My phone ends up coming with me for some other reason, right? Maybe I'm going to go for a walk in the neighborhood and we'll listen to a podcast and it's not synced to my watch or whatever. And so... Or you want to take pictures. That's, that's yeah. one for me. Yeah, good luck with that on Apple Watch. It doesn't yeah. work. So very often, even though I had this idea at the beginning of, oh, I'll go for a bike ride, I'll leave my phone behind. It just doesn't happen that often. In fact, I probably wouldn't have the LTE except that I bought the titanium this time around and it came with it and I already had an Apple watch on my cellular plan. So I just kind of moved it over. But I think if you're looking at that as a, as a factor, you got to be really honest with yourself of how often you're going to be leaving your phone behind. So one thing for me, I do a lot of bike riding 
and like actually went this morning and rode some trails uh, here in town. And where the trails are, I can't ride to them very easily. They're all the way across town. And so I drove to the trailhead and then rode. Well, I'm not going to leave my phone in my truck to get broken into and my iPhone stolen. I'm going to have it with me. So I don't, I didn't turn on LTE on my watch when I was out riding, even though theoretically that's why I have LTE on my watch. So I think if you're looking for a purchase, I think you really need to understand how you're, how you're going to actually operate with this in practice. Out of everyone I know with LTE watches who I've talked to about this, I think almost everyone falls in the camp you and I are in of, it's nice to have a couple times a year, but I probably shouldn't be paying for it every month. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I do is I go swimming in the ocean a lot. And that's like, I go at like 5 a.m. you know, with sunrise and there's usually not many of us in the water. And it's the same thing. If somebody bang their head, I don't bring my phone out to the beach. Sand plus phone equal bad, right? Yeah. But the, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I wear my watch in the ocean all the time and I've never had a problem, but I always felt like if I got hurt or if somebody else got hurt, like I boogie board more than surf anymore. I'm getting too old to surf, but surfers in particular can hit their heads pretty easily. And um, I always felt kind of better having it with me, but the, yeah, it's the same thing. I, I don't know if it's worth it or not, but, but I have it and I, I don't feel particularly inclined to turn it off either. I mean, I don't, I don't drink Starbucks. There's a whole bunch of stuff I don't do that waste money on. So if I, I pay extra 10 bucks a month for my cellular watch, so be it. We, but let's talk about the design in general, though. So they got they started out, you know, at one size, which everybody thought was the perfect size, and then they got a bigger size, right? They went to the from thirty eight forty two to forty forty four. And um, what was your thought about the switch to the larger size watches? I didn't mind it. I, I wear the bigger size, and what was really cool is they kept the band compatibility the same. So I had a forty two, and then I went to a forty four. All the bands still fit. So that was great. Yeah. I panicked that whole keynote once they said uh -huh. they were raising the size. Cause I had like this investment in these bands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, fortunately they all worked. And then um, with the series five, they've got the always on display, which is, which is cool. It is. I, uh, I guess that's really more of a software thing, but I can tell you that um, I, ha I bought the series five last year um, and I really, really love this watch. This is my favorite one. Like Siri works on it. It's fast enough. Now you talked earlier about the earlier, you know, uh, system on a chips were pretty limited. Um, it is remarkable how powerful the silicon is in this watch for something so small. I mean, I was looking at it the other day. I, I stumbled across my old pebble watch Mm -hmm. and put them next to each other and just tweeted a picture of them next to each other. And man, it is so, it's like night and day how much better <laughs> it is. Um, what do you think of the rectangular design? When they first announced it, a lot of people were speculating they'd make a circular watch. I think circular is a nicer shape for a watch, but I think for a watch that is software driven, it's actually not. I think you end up with a lot of weird text cropping and some of the, uh, Android Wear and Samsung smartwatches are around and I've spent time with those and there's cool stuff they can do. Like a lot of those watches use the bezel to turn instead of the, a digital crown on the side. I really like that feature. I think it's really cool. But the problem is you lose so much in terms of screen real estate when it's round. So if you're reading a text message, the top and bottom of it are shorter lines. You end up doing more scrolling. And so that is a trade-off and I think Apple's done the right one. The rectangular design isn't 
great, but I think it looks better now in the larger sizes. Because one thing they did when they went larger is they really reduced the bezels. Now, it's a OLED screen, so you don't really see the bezels all that often if you use a black background on your watch face. But looking at that sort of original design Apple Watch, I've got my first generation here in the office, and I, I got it out and was tinkering with it uh, in preparation of this. And the new ones, the Series 4 and 5, look way better. They're flatter. They have that that bigger screen, the smaller bezels. So I think the rectangle's fine for UI purposes, and I think they've done a nice job modernizing the design while still keeping it true to the sort of the original idea. Uh, I, I agree. I think the round watches look better, but I think making a digital round watch is a lot harder and in some ways just inferior. Like one of my daily practices is when I wake up, I have, and this is really good with watchOS 7, by the way, when you, when you click on your calendar event, before watchOS 7, you'd have to scroll through like a separate card for each calendar event unless you ran a third-party calendar app. Uh, now it just gives you an infinitely scrolling list of your events color coded to their Apple calendar colors. You don't, you know, it's just way easier to see all your calendar events. So in the morning, quite often without having a phone on me, I will just tap my calendar and use the crown to scroll up a list of the events over the next day and maybe even the morning of the next day. So I can see, you know, what's on deck for me because I block mm-hmm. schedule. I, I have a lot of appointments. And doing that on a round face watch would be misery, I think. I'm not sure there is a way to solve that problem. It's so much more convenient on a rectangular face. So I get it. You know, displaying data, uh, a squ- there's, there's a reason why computer screens are square, not round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, either way, I, 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 I'm I, kind of over it. I, I kind of wanted to make a round one, to be honest with you, because I just think it would have looked really cool. I think Apple design people could have done something amazing, but... In the end, I think they did the right thing, and I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, it works for what it is. It is a watch that is powered by software, not by mechanical innards like a traditional watch. When they first released the Apple Watch, Apple made a huge deal about the digital crown and how smooth it is and how it's like a game changer for digital watches. Have they lived up to that talk? Yeah, not only did they say that, they said it was on par with the mouse and the iPod click wheel. It's like, whoa, Let's all calm down here. Like those things, you know, multi-touch, <laughs> those things change the world. Yeah. The digital crown is not on that level for me. Like I don't think it's going to go down in the history of great interface paradigms. But for the watch, I think it's I think it's really good to be able to scroll, like you said, through a list of calendar events, through an iMessage thread, whatever, without your finger covering the screen. Because the screen even on the big 44, it's not that big. And so having the crown to scroll and not uh, occlude your view of the screen, I think it works really well. It's not as magic as Apple said it was going to be, but I'm really glad they've retained it. Yeah, I mean, I I would not want to see it go for the reasons you just explained, but I don't think it, it lives up to the hype either. Like a good example is they don't know what to do with the crown when you're just looking at the time. For a while, they had this thing, goofy thing where you could like move the watch forward to like see what future appointments are, but it was just a very silly interface. And now, as far as I can tell, there's not a single watch face that really does anything when you digi- turn the digital crown when you're on the watch face. I mean, mm-hmm. once you get into a calendar view or, you know, once you're listening to audio and it becomes a volume dial, it, it becomes useful as needed, but it's not essential 
at every place. But, but I would be very sad if they took it away because I use those features. Like when I'm walking and my audio gets too loud, I can turn it down with the crown. When I want to scroll through my calendar events in the morning, I can do that with the crown too. So uh, I think it's a great addition, but it didn't change the world. Agreed. What about the big button? There's actually rumors now that the big button's going away. Yeah. So this is called in Apple's documentation, the side button, and it's not capitalized. Apple, a company that capitalizes and gives everything a name, it's just called side button. Poor guy. Uh, It was a rumor a while back that it was going to become just a haptic, like not an actual physical button. It still is a physical button. It started life, like we said, as a way to get into your close friends. And now it launches the dock, which you can pin your favorite apps in the dock, like just like you do in the Mac. So I've got, you know, calendar now playing and, and several others. And I like that as a quick way to get to applications that aren't launched from a complication because the app list, even though you can now change it from the honeycomb to an actual, an actual list, which is, I strongly recommend everybody does. I still like the quick access. So I like the side button. I like that it launches the dock and I think it should stick around too. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, it as a dock button is more useful than it's ever been. So if you gave up on this button years ago because you didn't want to send pictures of fish to your friends, uh, you should go back. The dock has two behaviors. It'll take the most recently opened apps or you can pin apps to the dock. Um, I have filled up all the slots for pinning apps because I just find it really useful. Yep, that's how mine is too. Even some stuff that is often a complication still goes in the dock for me. You know, the key stuff. Like OmniFocus is a good example. I really like OmniFocus. Um, as you know, I talk about it in the show enough. But uh, I do like to access it from my watch. They have a good watch app, but I'm not entirely sold on their complication. But if I just hit the side button, I can get to my OmniFocus data very quickly. And you can get to it from from basically anywhere. So if you're in one application and you go to the dock, you don't have to like go back out to the home screen or back to the list of applications. So I like it as a shortcut to get someplace else in my watch as well. Yeah. So what? let's just go through them real quick. What do you got on your dock? Uh, so in my dock, I have calendar, now playing, messages, phone, overcast, music, Carrot weather, Todoist, workout, and activity. And all those are pinned? Yes. Yeah, our, our lists are very similar. I have calendar, activity, workout, now playing, OmniFocus drafts, home, which I'm going to talk about later, remote, which I'm going to talk about later, and podcasts, because I, I always use podcasts, uh, the Apple podcast app during beta season, and I also keep the timer there. So very similar, but I'm in there all the time. And, and the sizing we've kind of talked about. What about the materials? This is another thing that's changed a lot. When Apple first released the Apple Watch, I think almost to the point of distraction, they had a gold version that you know everybody talked about. Did you ever see that picture of that guy that put four gold Apple Watches on each of his dog's paws? No. I'm going to look it up. If I can find a picture, I'll put it in the show notes. So it was like, man, that is um, that is quite a statement right there. Yeah. Yeah, the gold Apple Watch died a pretty quick pretty quick death thankfully yeah but it is it is interesting how apple has changed it so the aluminum has stayed pretty constant it has basically ion hardened glass so it is it can be a, a little scratch prone i've had 
aluminum watches before. It's what my wife wears. And you could definitely scratch up the screens on the aluminum. But the trade-off is, is that it is really lightweight and you can get a bunch of different finishes. You can do the classic silver or space gray. They have a gold they sort of tweak over time, uh, gold tinted aluminum. And I think by far that's the most of what they sell. Like out in the world, most of what I see actually I feel like is the space gray aluminum watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a, a point of clarification his dog only had two gold Apple okay. watches. Okay. All right. We'll put that, put that in the show notes. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I've always been the aluminum guy. Um, the stainless, I bought a stainless steel one once, which was nice, a little heavy for me. Yeah, it's heavy. Um, but last year, I did the unthinkable. I bought the titanium edition version. I've never bought the, the fanciest. And I love this watch so much. I, I just love the look of the titanium. I'm not going to replace it this year. That was my promise to myself when I bought the more expensive one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not going to be a problem for me. It's just a great watch. Yeah, I've got the titanium as well. I like that it kind of splits the weight difference between the aluminum and the steel. But the steel and then the additions, and there's a ceramic one as well, they have sapphire cover glass. And there's a trade-off that it's more breakable, but you you basically can't scratch it unless you're running through some sort of like, I don't know, like beanbag full of diamonds, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> past that, you're not going to scratch it. And honestly, if you have a beanbag like that, who cares if you scratch your Apple Watch? Yeah, you just get another one. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, that trade-off works for me. Now, I have broken two Apple Watches. Uh, I broke a stainless steel and I broke an aluminum one. But, uh, you know, these things happen. That's why you have Apple Care Plus. But the the titanium I, I really, really like. And I, like you, it was more than I've ever spent on a watch. And this is going to be a watch that I keep for for more than my normal one year because it was so pricey. And I just, I love the way it looks. Honestly, I hope they keep it around. I'll be really sad if the titanium's a one-off. Yeah. Well, that's all the more reason to keep it longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, I, I, you know, I, when we introduced you to the Mac Power News audience, I forgot to tell people that you hate. Apple stuff and you love breaking it, but you break so much Apple stuff. I know. Soon. I know. I get the first Apple watch I broke. I was at the gym and I taken it off to take a shower because I think it was before they were like as water resistant as they are now. And I unlocked my locker and I just put it like on top of my clothes and it fell out of the locker and face down on a tile floor. Like it was yeah, going to break done yeah. the aluminum. I broke, uh, I crashed a bicycle last spring and uh, went down on the side that I wear my watch on and it hit the asphalt. And again, no contest, but, um, the watch still worked. It just had no chunks of glass missing. I put it in a plastic baggie and like took it to the genius bar. I was like, I need a new watch. And, uh, they were like, do you have an accident? I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> please, please replace it for me. I have Apple care. I am. I have wearing this titanium one. I have multiple times had enders in the ocean, you know, where a wave catches you and just slams you into the sand. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's hit rocks and things in the, you know, when that happens, you actually don't have any idea what's happening to your body. And the, um, and I also crashed a scooter. I really hope Rose is not listening to this Rosemary Orchard. Cause I, anyway, I've been trying not to tell her about that, but I went, and and hit the face down on the sidewalk and again Ooh. it didn't scratch it so it's like the titanium and the uh the stronger glass and these the more expensive ones probably is has paid off for me anyway 
the materials. I feel like they've kind of settled. If you want to spend more money, they've got some nice custom materials, but the gold thing became a story in itself. I'm kind of glad that's not the distraction anymore. But I mean, anybody who asks me, I say, just buy an aluminum one. Yep. I mean, honestly, there's not that much difference in the look between the silver aluminum and this fancy titanium on my wrist. And it's lighter. The weight is a huge thing for a, for a lot of people. A lot of people just don't want to wear a heavy watch and the aluminum totally wins in that regard. Especially if you're going to start sleeping with it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sleep with a titanium watch on. It's too heavy. Uh, Apple watch bands. That I think was genius. The whole mechanism for switching bands so easily. Mm-hmm. Like my wife changes her Apple watch band regularly. She has never owned a watch in her life where she's changed the band till this one. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is that mechanism. Like I've got a couple of mechanical watches that I, I still wear and changing the bands is a giant pain. You need a special tool to like get the little pins out and you can bend them or they're spring loaded. So you can like shoot them across the room yeah, and never find I them again. Yeah. Definitely done that. Never change a traditional watch band in a room with carpet. That's no, all I'm saying. No, you need to be in Johnny Ives white room yeah. and you need to have a big magnet so you can go find it. But uh, the Apple watch made it trivial to change bands. And my guess would be is that most Apple watch customers, users have multiple bands because they've carried over support year after year. A watch band you bought five years ago could still work for you now. It's really cool. Yeah. And now that the third party, you know, they figured out the lugs and third party watch, watch bands are just as secure as Apple watch bands, at least on the, on the whole. And, you know, Apple, you know, they charge you $50 for a fluorelastomer band and you go on Amazon and you can get five of them for $50. Yeah. There's, there's a big market of that. Essentially the same. And, you know, like I wouldn't recommend going to buy like a power supply from an unknown supplier off Amazon, but watch bands are fine. And I've got, I've probably got over 20 watch bands at this point. Wow. I've got a handful. I've got a couple different colors of the sport band. And I have the one I'm wearing right now actually is the, the Nike plus one with all the holes, which I really like in the summer because it's, it's less hot. Yeah. Um, and I've got two of those. I got an old one that I wear when I ride and then like another, which is what I'm wearing now. Cause I wrote this morning. It's all nasty. And then one that I wear most of the time, but I don't really care for the others, but the, the sport bands, the sort of the, the OG, what do you think of? Uh, those are the ones that I like. Yeah, they call it the fluorelastomer. It's like yeah. a rubber, but it's it's more forgiving and feels a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how someone who lives where you live and your humidity could wear that watch band, honestly. I mean, it's dry here, and I still in the summer don't like wearing those those rubber watch bands because my it gets sweaty underneath the Yeah, that's the why I, I normally wear the Nike one. I know the Sport Loop is very popular. My wife has several of them, but... To me, the sport loop is kind of like sweatpants for the Apple Watch. Like I just don't like the look of them very much. So I've got one. I've got the a black one, but I don't wear it very often. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those, and I bought them off Amazon, and I I literally change them to match the clothes I'm wearing. Nice. That's like my one fashion thing. Mm-hmm. Like. Hey, I'm going to be wearing my blue shirt today. Going to put on my blue sport band. But I, you know, the sweatpants analogy is a good one, but they breathe really well during the summer. I have two leather ones, um, both purchased from Apple. I have a brown leather and I have a blue leather band. 
I don't own any metal watch bands. I've just never been a fan of metal watch bands. They pull the arm hair out, you know, yeah. and uh, and I don't like the weight. And then I I work on a Mac, and I'm always freaked out it's going to scratch up my Mac, my, my oh, yeah. laptop. Yeah. So I've just never gone down the road of the uh, the metal bands. How about you? No, I haven't. I've got uh, one of my mechanical watches. I have a steel band that I, I wear sometimes with it, but it is really heavy and you don't get the as much flexibility in sizing. So like with the sports bands, you got to fit in one of the holes. A lot of these, like the Milanese loop, which is metal and the sport loop that you like so much, it's basically infinitely adjustable, which is nice. But if you're wearing a, a metal sort of classic like link bracelet, you don't have a ton of, you got to really find like the size for you. And that can be frustrating. Um, I've never tried Apple's link bracelet. It's 350 bucks, which is the big reason that's a lot of money for a watch band. But I know people who do like them, but it's not for me. You know, I like that the the sport bands and, and what's cool about them too, the sport band and the sport loop. We haven't mentioned this yet. Apple turns them over about three or four times a year. They have these sort of seasonal colors. Very often they coincide with new iPhone cases, the silicon and the leather. So Apple turns these over. So turns these over. So like right now, if there's not a color you like, there may be one in the future. And at the same time, you may want to jump on a color you see because it may not be around very long. One of my sport bands is bright orange and they sold it in the beginning and it hasn't been on sale since. And so I'm glad that I picked it up when I did because these come and go over time. And so it's fun to build that collection up, but you kind of just got to keep an eye on it because your favorite color will probably be the one that goes away. And once again, I don't feel the least resistance to recommending that you look on Amazon because uh, the bright orange one is probably for sale today for 10 bucks on Amazon. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, like the other things, like I used to like those NATO bands that yeah. just for whatever reason. And uh, there's a bunch of like Apple's never sold a NATO band for the Apple watch, but there's a ton of them on Amazon. I, I have several of them. So um, it's just fun. And I think it's a way to make the experience more yours. And um, it's not that expensive. I mean, a, the Apple ones are kind of expensive and pricey. So I rarely buy them, but if they have one I really like, I may, but I probably buy a couple of these a year at this point. I think that's, that's fair. I think a lot of people probably do. It's just, it's a fun, right? It's a fun way to, to mix things up. Yeah. I, I had a, an initial buying spree, you know, <laughs> when the watch was new, I don't add them as quickly as I used to, cause now I kind of have my coverage, but occasionally I'm like, mm-hmm. like last year we had a bunch of holiday events. So I bought a fancy red one cause I wanted to have a red watch band. <laughs> like and Santa. Did. It is where the the Apple Watch becomes a, a fashion product, right? Something that you wear all the time. You want to be able to customize. And that was a big part of how Apple pitched this in the beginning was pick your finish, pick your band. It says something about you. I think that's still true. I think people kind of pick what they like or do what you do, make it work with their outfit. I think that's a very real thing. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends over at Text Expander. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more and get 20% off your first year. TextExpander boosts your business productivity by allowing your team to communicate smarter, faster, and more consistently across all your channels. So if it's email or Twitter or Instagram or Google Docs or Trello or Slack or Teams or wherever your coworkers are communicating with each other or with customers, TextExpander is there. It means that you can have consistent 
fast communication across all of those channels. You don't have to reinvent common email or message replies every time you need them. Store them in Text Expander instead. I've been doing this a lot with the Relay membership. People have questions, and I have a bunch of membership URLs in Text Expander. So instead of copying and pasting them from the web or finding them, I can be writing an email, hit a couple of keystrokes, and it expand out to the the particular page in Memberful where you can go and download whatever you're looking for. It has saved me tons of time already. And with Text Expander for Teams, I can make it easy to manage and share those snippets across all of Relay FM. So I have other people helping me on a project or something like this. I can make sure that we're all using the same communication. Text Expander is available for Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and show listeners will get 20% off their first year. Head on over to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more and sign up. Our thanks to Text Expander for the support of Mac Power Users. Okay, so I think we've covered the hardware story uh, with the Apple Watch. What about the software story? So it is, uh, like we, we kind of talked about it earlier, it's something that's really changed a lot over time where they've added features and gotten rid of features that didn't make sense or that the people, the customers didn't, didn't really latch onto. But let's start with the the watch face. I think that's where most people spend most of their time because it's what you see every time you pick up your wrist. Yeah, it's in the name, mm-hmm. right? This is the biggest disappointment for me with the Apple Watch is really the failed promise on the watch faces. When they announced it, they had really a rich assortment of watches for version one. And they had, you know, analog faces and digital faces. And they, they could try to cover the gamut. But what are we now? Five years into it? Six years? Yeah. How old is the actual watch? And a lot of it, hasn't changed much i mean they've updated a few watches every year we get it seems like we get fewer new watch faces and even sadder some of those original faces don't really work anymore like i was always a big fan of the utility face but it, for whatever reason apple hasn't really kept it up mm-hmm. i am disappointed with the watch faces it seems like such a great canvas for even more customization and I don't understand why Apple hasn't let third parties take a crack at it. Yeah, some of them will probably be bad, but there's a lot of bad apps in the App Store and the market picks the winners. I think Apple should do that here as well because I think there are a lot of interesting things that come out of it. I mean, look at what our friend David Smith is doing. He would be excellent, I think, at designing watch faces, but Apple holds that back and I really hope they change that at some point because even though Apple adds watch faces and complication slots over time, they move really slowly on that. And honestly, I think most of Apple's watch faces don't look that good anyways. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're, I mean, some of them are gimmicky. Oh yeah. Like, you know, they look cool. They're like great demos, but as something on your wrist that you use every day, they really aren't that useful. And so there really are, when you get down to it, like you have two choices. Do I want an analog face or a digital face? And then once you make that choice, there are a couple good ones in each category. And that's about it. I mean, in my experience, I keep going in my head back over this idea of like, what would it look like if they opened up faces? You know, would, you know, there's a couple ways you could do that. The first would be to say, okay, everybody here's watch kits, uh, watch face kit. And you can build, app developers can build watch faces and sell them. 
Or they could say, you know, Rolex has given us a face and, you know, Swatch or, you know, I don't know all the watch brands, but, you know, you, you start getting brand name faces added or maybe custom designers come up with faces where it goes through some review process at Apple and there's more, but still not that many. I wouldn't be surprised if it's that second scenario that they actually do because Apple doesn't want ugly faces on their, you know, um, their watches. I remember back to the Pebble days and they're like, you could get a watch face that had the Anaheim Mighty Ducks logo mm-hmm, on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I could just see Apple just like, you know, cringing at that on their beautiful timepiece. But at the same time, if you open it up, people can make interesting faces that we can use. So I'd really like them to open it wide up. And, uh, but anything is better than what they have now. Yeah, I think the California watch face, which was introduced last year, I think. Yeah. It yeah. is, it's the analog watch face I use, and it's super customizable. It's the most customizable Apple watch face that's out there. But even it, like you run into limitations or decisions that you would maybe as a user make different decisions. Like, why, maybe I don't want the text to wrap. Maybe I want it straight across or. So many little things and Apple sells the Apple watch is the most personal device that's ever made. And that's true because it's literally on your wrist all day, but for something that's so about the person using it, like you can customize the dock and what apps you have on it, complications and finishes and bands. This is the Holy grail of customization. And I think they've been a little too precious about their view of the Apple watch to let people really go at it. Yeah. And it's starting to really feel like it's something that needs to be handled. Like the first couple of years as they were sorting out, what does the watch do? And they're like, okay, we got to put all the wood behind the arrow on, you know, fitness, but they're getting that stuff down now. So I feel like there's time. And if they don't come out with custom faces in the next couple of years, I'm going to be really disappointed, but you can do something like it. I, I made these cool custom watch faces with the photos face and other people have done this. I'll put a link in the show notes to a post I did where I took some some icons for various Star Wars characters. And I laid them out in OmniGraffle because I knew exactly where the watch shows the time and the data. So I just made like a background. It's like an image. And then I made a, a particular album in the photos library and synced that to watch. And as a result, I have, which looks like kind of like Star Wars faces, like your, your Mighty Ducks fans could do it that way. <laughs> um, uh, because in general, I think the photos face is kind of horrible because you, know, you got a big picture of your kid and you've got like a dial spinning around their nose or whatever, you know, or the time right on top of their face. So, it, it you know, by customizing that look, you can make custom faces, but that's not what I want, you know, like... There, there are certain faces that are close for me, but I would like to say, well, wouldn't this be nice if I could make, you know, the the dials stand out more? Like California face is great, right? Yeah. But on the black California face, the hour and the minute hand are also black with an, a white outline. I would just like the hands to be solid white. Yeah. Just a simple customization to make it more legible. Yeah. And in fact, when it goes into sleep mode, you know, like whatever you call it, you know, now that the watch always on mode, they turn white and you can read it better. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, come on guys. You know, so give us the ability to do that. Yeah. Even those little things. I remember 
the utility watch faces, which I think is what a lot of people used on the smaller sizes, you could change the the second hand, its color. And over the years, even that's been toned down. Like the California watch face, it's always red. It's like, well, what if I want that to be pink to match my shirt? You know, I just want that little bit yeah. of whimsy because out of all of Apple's products, the watch is the one that screams whimsy to me more than anything. And it's the one that's the most locked down. Yeah, agreed. And there's new watches with Catalina. I'm sorry, did I just say Catalina? Watch OS 7. <laughs> uh, Chronograph Pro, better big face. We'll, we'll cover that when they're released. Yeah. I'm playing with them. They're nice, but I, I'm still unhappy. Um, third-party software support over the years. You had mentioned earlier that, you know, the original ability to run third-party apps was pretty limited and really slow. How do you feel like they're doing in general with third-party apps at this point? It's better than it's ever been. You can write native watch apps now. They run, you know, on the watch from talking to my developer friends, developing for the watch can be really difficult and can be extremely resource intensive to do. And the watch usually isn't a big platform for paid applications. And so I think it's tricky from a business perspective if you're a developer. But for me, I've really honed in on the apps that make sense for how I use my watch and I don't really go exploring new watch apps. I think the sort of the stable set that I've used probably hasn't changed very much in a long time. And that's not true necessarily on the iPhone or iPad. Well, I mean, not only is it difficult, it's like, it feels like about every two years, Apple just blows it up and makes you rewrite the app. Yeah. Which I think is getting better with the arrival of Swift UI last year. They, they've, kind of come up with a way to write watch apps that ties in the way you make other apps. And I hope that that means that time that app developers put into watch apps now won't be lost in two years. I, I'm more optimistic about that now than I've ever been, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not, you know, fully <laughs> comfortable with the idea either. So um, I, I am looking forward to seeing where that goes, but uh, I, and just general performance on devices much faster than it was. So, I think they're doing well. I think they still have progress to make in terms of the state of the Apple Watch. Yeah, I think so too. Complications have really emerged as another basis of customization on your watch. But anyway, uh, so, but I, I think that is a great way to kind of make your watch. In fact, Apple's acknowledging that by allowing you to share faces, which is really sharing complication combinations with their faces more than anything else. What role do complications play for you? They're huge for me because you can just glance down at your watch and get little bits of information. And so for me, very often just looking at my watch gives me what I'm looking for because I'm looking for my next event or the weather or how my activity rings are doing. And for me, most of the time is all the interaction I have with my watch. And I can tap on them or I can go deeper if I need to, but having complications surface that stuff is really really helpful yeah agreed agreed and it's they're fun to use with the new watch os 7 you'll be able to use multiple complications from the same app on one screen so that'll be really cool but as we sit here what are the complications that get the most rotation for you uh so for me it is calendar so i can see my next event 
if I'm using the California face, I also have uh, the calendar showing me the the uh, have the date because I really like seeing the date and the day of the week on my watch. So calendar. Okay, I have a complaint though. Okay. Why do they have to make the date so small on that screen? It's you know pretty I mean? little. <laughs> it is really small. So the in the complication, they display the day of the week in large text. And then they have yesterday's date, today's date, and tomorrow's date in small text. First of all, if I know today's date, I also know yesterday's date and tomorrow's date. Yeah. You don't need to show that to me. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. And when you look at your watch and you want to know what day it is, how often are you? More, is your question, is today Monday or is today the 13th, you know, mm-hmm. you, what's the bigger question on your mind usually when you look at your watch and that's the one that should be the big one, you know? So yep. I, I really, ha- I don't like the way Apple does those date complications because uh, yeah. uh, unfortunately, if I have my glasses off, I don't know what day it is looking at my watch. And uh, I, I talked to David Smith about this in his watchsmith complication. He has different flavors of that little watch complication. Mm-hmm. And one of them is just put today's date and big text in the corner. Yeah. Done. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so date and then the, my next calendar event, one little pro tip here is in the watch companion app on your iPhone, you can tell it what calendars should come to your watch. And so I don't have all of my calendars that, I, that I've access to on my watch. I don't need them yeah. all on my watch. Yeah. And so I have them kind of distilled down to the most important ones. I don't need to know what time upgrade is live streaming when I look at my watch. Like, sorry, upgrade. That's fine on my Mac. I don't want it on my wrist. Yeah. Um, so that, that's something that can help manage this if you feel like your calendar situation gets a little out of hand. Yeah. And it's so great having your next event on your wrist. It's awesome. It's just, you know, um, I keep talking about the fact that I'm a block scheduler, but that is a great productivity tool. Like I know today after we finish recording, I have a half hour off and then I'm going to spend two hours doing legal work. And mm-hmm. it's my watch is telling me that right now. And just having like a little bit of a manager on your shoulder, you know, just somebody to tell you where to go next. Yeah. Even if he's just on your wrist instead of your shoulder. Yep. That is a great tool. And almost it's almost ne- necessary for any watch face I use during the work day to have that, displayed on it so Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of that yes i also have carrot weather which i think is maybe the best watch os app out there it's super responsive it looks great if you pay the right tier of in-app purchase you even get like the radar on your watch which i love so i have carrot weather show me the current temperature and the current status so is it partly cloudy stormy or whatever yeah. Um, and then rounding it out, I have Todoist showing me the number of tasks I have left in the day. I, I don't look at that as a how many things I've left in the day, but as a quick way to check something off. If I'm if I do something that's not at my computer, just reach down and do it. And then I have if I have space, depending on the face I'm using, I have uh, my wife's contact card as a complication. So like on the on the infograph modular which is what i use most of the time i get to see her face which makes me happy then i can very quickly call her or or i message her without having to dig into the contacts app or the phone app or or use siri so that one falls off for me if i'm using the california face but on infograph modular she's present as a quick way to get in touch with her yeah the uh i have a bunch of 
of complications for me. And I, if I went through everyone on the, the show, it'd go really long, but I, I like the idea of watch faces based on context of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, context is a great way to think about technology in general. Um, and Apple stuff is not g- engineered around context. It's, it's engineered around application. Like, you know, you look at your home screen, it's apps, it's not context. But if you use shortcuts, you can turn them into context. I do the same thing with a watch. So like I have like a morning watch face an afternoon watch face an evening watch face and a weekend watch face. And, and also a workout watch face. So depending on what I'm doing, I've got different complications. But a couple of complications that really stand out for me that show up quite often. And and the the first one is drafts. And we're going to talk about drafts later in the app section too. But drafts is like, in my mind, the perfect Apple Watch um, complication. Because there's a science to this. You know, it's a very small screen when you have something that tries to open into a complicated app on your wrist, it just doesn't work. But drafts just opens up and it has a microphone button. You can set it to either turn the microphone on automatically or require tap. And you just talk into the watch and it saves it as a draft. And I use it at least twice a day, sometimes 10 times a day. Like I think of something that I want to do. I just open the drafts and I dictate into my watch and then it's in my drafts. Uh, You know, somebody tells me something my wife this morning told me about a website I want to check out. I just saved it as a draft. So it's just, and it's always there. And it's on that one is almost on all my faces, the workout face or working face, whatever, because it solves that problem of when something occurs to your, your brain and you want to get it off your brain and back to work. You just tap one button on your watch, say a sentence or two, and it reliably does dictate it. And then you're done. That's really cool. Day one yeah. is similar to that, where it's basically just quick entry. I don't I don't use that complication very often, but the watch app is a very similar idea. Just get it out of your head into a system somewhere. Yeah, OmniFocus has it too. There's a bunch of apps that do that, but drafts, I think, kind of masters in keeping it simple. And I always look at drafts as a place that I can send things to day one or send things to OmniFocus. I can I can kind of triage it later. Right. But but the drafts complication is awesome. The watchsmith from David Smith, I know he's a friend of ours. He was just on the show, but it solves so many problems. And it's an app into itself. So if you tap on it, you can have all sorts of cool stuff on it. And two that I would recommend that people don't consider is the remote app and the home app. And both of them have limitations and could be better. But if you want to turn off your lights from your watch or turn on your Apple TV, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I use HomeKit almost exclusively through Siri, but, uh, I'm, I'm after seeing this, I am, uh, trying to, to interact with it more on the watch because it's, it's just a handy place cause it's always with you and why not try to get into that? Yeah, it, it's really, I mean, you save it's, it's got limited functionality. You can't, if you've got 30 different items you want to control from your wrist, it's not going to work. It's mm-hmm. just too much work. But if you save a couple scenes that you really like to use often, like my studio lighting, I just, I turn that off and on from the watch all the time. Um, how about fitness in terms of software? We talked about that as becoming a focus. How are they doing? I think they're doing a pretty good job. The number of workouts and the type of workouts continues to improve. There's a bunch more in watchOS 7. I did a I did a blog post I'll put it in the notes of all of the different fitness type fitness workout types in watchOS 6 
there are tons of way more than I ever thought there would be. Uh, and the artwork is all really good for them. Um, in fact, I named the article, the weird world of Apple watch workout artwork, because there's some that are just really funny. Yeah. For me, where I would like to see an improvement is flexibility. I'd like to be able to track more things than just stand activity and exercise. I like to do some mental health and other things there, but on the whole, I think they've done a good job and they've let third party applications tie into the whole health ecosystem. So this morning on my bike ride, I opened the Strava app on my watch said, start ride. I could look down at any point and see how far I had gone, how fast I was going. And then when I was done again, just on my watch, I could end the ride and it would sync to the iOS app and within a couple of moments. And so having these third party workout, you know, sometimes like whole systems like Strava is a whole world unto itself getting those on the watch and interacting with the health kit data and everything else has been fantastic. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to get better about tracking my food. It's the same thing. All that data gets shared over mm-hmm. and, you know, meditation timers. I mean, just about any app that touches on health can send data over to the health app. And I think this is the model that Apple should be using on other categories of data, like time tracking should be do it work in the same way instead of, keeping it locked up in their own cage. But the, uh, I think overall they're doing great with this fitness stuff. And I know every year we hear about new sensors coming and new ways to track data. We already know they're going to be working on uh, helping us with sleep this year. Um, but I feel like Apple has the pedal down on this and they are not letting up. And I think that's great. I mean, one thing I've, I would say about the Apple watch, it really changed my life in terms of fitness because before the Apple Watch, I would wear the fitness trackers, and I was super proud of my 10,000 steps a day. But when I got the Apple Watch, I realized that, you know, that one ring wasn't getting filled. I was still doing the same fitness stuff I did with the old Fitbit. But suddenly, that green ring was empty at the end of each day. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm doing my 10,000 steps. But what I realized was all the workouts I was doing, or even if you called them workouts at that point, I wasn't stressing my heart, you know? Hmm. So I changed my my hikes to a place with a bunch of hills and I started lifting weights and doing some other stuff to like, you know, so it like opened my eyes to stuff I wasn't doing, which I think is the goal. Totally. I, I think for a lot of people, it really becomes the center of their exercise and fitness life because you have all this data, you have it historically in the health app, which is really cool. And it's not, the Apple Watch doesn't have a big learning curve when it comes to the fitness stuff. Some of the more specific trackers, you you really kind of got to get into like the way they think about things. And the Apple Watch just lets you come on board and it will give you suggestions and it's all very friendly to use and the rings are fun and you can compete with friends and family. And I think that makes it a really welcoming place as somebody getting started in this, which I think is also really cool. Agreed, agreed. What about communication? That was the other big thing they talked about when they announced the Apple Watch. How are they doing on that? I think on notifications, they're doing pretty well. I still think it's too tedious on iOS as the whole to manage what notifications you get where and how you want them to look. But you can, in the the Apple Watch app on the phone, you can go through and say, I want notifications from this or don't want them from that. And if you're willing to put the time into it, it can be 
really honed down. I think a mistake they make out of the box is that the Apple Watch defaults to getting all the notifications you have on your phone. And I think that's really overwhelming for a lot of people. I know with my wife, when she got her first Apple Watch years ago, she never made it past that that curve and ended up not liking it. And she's now back on the Apple Watch after several years. And basically, I set it up for her this time, and I basically turned off all the notifications and said, if you have an app that you want to see on your watch, here's how you add it. And that totally changed it for her. So I'd like to see them somehow make that easier to manage. But notifications are great. Uh, I use iMessage a lot on the watch. I think that's probably one of the most used apps on the whole platform, honestly. And so for me, it's not drawing little pictures, but it's, you know, responding with Siri or the scribble keyboard and just dashing off a quick note through the quick reply, you know, the automatic reply thing. And uh, so, yeah, I think, it, I think they're doing a pretty good job, but I'd like notifications to be reined in a little bit. Yeah. I feel like the notifications, they, the defaults are wrong. Even when the Apple watch came out, there were a bunch of reviewers that were giving it a hard time for too many notifications. And I, that was a little unfair in my opinion, because you can turn the notifications off, but I guess you've just got to, assume people won't mm-hmm. and they've done a lot, made a lot of progress on the iPhone to turn off notifications at the moment that you're bugged by them. They don't really have that yet on the Apple watch. So I'd like to see that improve. I, there's a whole bunch of wrong turns and dead ends and communication on the Apple watch. Like we talked about the, the scribble thing where you do the fish, but we also haven't talked about walkie talkie. Yeah. Yeah. Not something I use. What about you? So when I first got it, I turned it on and me and my friend Leanna Lehua talked to each other via walkie-talkie for one afternoon. And then I tried to just explain it to my wife and she looked at me the same way she did when I tried to tell her how to use the tap code. Mm-hmm. You know? And that was the end of walkie-talkie. I mean, <laughs> it's a good idea, but it doesn't really work. Um, the uh, Something you mentioned in passing about messages is this is one of the best uses for Siri on your watch. Uh, the the nomenclature is you say, tell Mary I'm leaving now and we'll be home in 10 minutes. So you say, tell, then you say the name of the person and then the message. And if you just do that, you know, hold down the digital crown to activate Siri. It's a very convenient way to send text messages and way faster than pulling your phone out of your pocket. Oh yeah. Plus you get to feel like Dick Tracy a little bit, which is fun. Yeah. I I love getting a message on my watch. I don't use the scribble keyboard. You can like actually draw letters that, that is just too slow for me. If I can't use the auto reply, yes, no, you know, thumbs up buttons, I'll go ahead and dictate something with Siri. Mm-hmm. And if it's a complicated message, like a client asking me a complicated question, I'm not going to answer it on the, on the watch anyway. I'll sure. wait until I get to a keyboard. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's fine. And you can change those default responses. So in the the watch app, which really like that's a huge part of this is, sit down and look through that watch app on your phone because there are a lot of settings and things that you may not even be aware of because that, that <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in that, in that iOS app. But one of the things is change the default responses. So if I get a text message from David, the things that come up automatically of like, you know, yes, no, whatever, you can tweak those and you can make them look more like what you would say And so something that I respond to just even in life is like, no worries. You know, if someone is apologizing for something or I am running late or it's like, it's a really good way to diffuse something that someone feels worked up about. And that's one of my now 
auto response thing. So I went to the watch app and added it and you can drag around and change the order. And so you can customize those responses to make it more useful to how you communicate. And I think that's a, a huge, huge feature that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Just occurred to me, I should make an auto response that says, I can't talk right now. I'm driving, you know, like fake driving mode. <laughs> don't you put your phone in driving mode when you're at your desk? Is that sometimes, you? Yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Perfect. But I could also use it when I'm out, you know, at the ocean. Yeah. Can't talk. I'm diving right now. And then to see if they pick up on the joke. Say it's a typo. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by a little company you've probably never heard of before, Squarespace. Make your next move and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace is the place you go to build a website. The Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store or portfolio or even a blog like I did with Max Sparky at Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. There's no upgrades. You don't have to worry about plugins getting hacked. It's all covered. Uh, Squarespace just takes care of it. And they have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. I remember when we had the big storm in New York, they've got one of their sites there with their servers. They were literally carrying gasoline up the stairs to keep the backup generator running. These guys care about keeping your website online. And it's a very great service in the sense of it can handle just about anything you throw at it. Once in a while, Max Barkey gets linked by somebody big and I get a bunch of traffic and Squarespace just keeps it running. Uh, they also let you grab a unique domain when you set up your purchase and the templates that they make are really beautiful, but they're also very customizable. So you can make it look the way you want without having to pay somebody a truckload of money to do it for you. So I've been using Squarespace not only for Max Sparky, but for the Sparks Law uh, website and it works awesome. I have people ask me all the time, who did, who did your website? You know, that's what lawyers always think that you paid somebody a bunch of money. no. I just you got a basic Squarespace site and set it up myself. I also like Squarespace for getting friends on the internet, particularly non-nerdy friends. If you've got somebody in your life that wants to get a blog site or a website going for a new business, spend an hour with them. Teach them how Squarespace works. It's very easy, and they will never bother you again because they will be able to do it themselves. Uh, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU, you get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for us here at the Mac Power Users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. So let's talk about some of those third-party apps. We've mentioned several already, but what are some others that you're using, maybe not as a complication, but are on your watch for when you need them? Yeah, I, I've talked about Drafts. It is my favorite third-party app on the on the watch. I think Greg really got it right. That's that's a big one. If you want a collection device on your on your wrist, that's the one. OmniFocus is my task manager of choice. So I don't really manage OmniFocus in my wrist, but a lot of times I leave my my phone at my desk as I walk around during the day. Mm -hmm. 
And OmniFocus has a user interface that works pretty good on the watch to see anything that's like flagged or priority stuff that still exists. And you can check them off on your watch. I don't like their complication. And uh, the reason I don't is the same problem. I don't like the date complication for the uh, calendar. It's too much information that tries to show you the next task and other stuff. I would rather just be like an orange or a purple um, number showing me stuff that is like flagged and undone or priority or do. And, you know, so like you could set it in a watch, but I, I'd rather just see a number and that would give me kind of the key data I need in a complication. So as a result, I don't run it as a complication very often. Instead, I run it as a doc app and it's one of the top ones for me. PCALC, um, another guest we've had on the show recently, but he makes a great calculator and, you know, I am the guy who wanted a calculator watch back in the day, and now I have one. Yeah, yeah. I still have a calculator watch that I wear sometimes. But, yeah, PCALC is great, and it is one of those apps. I mean, James Thompson is such a genius where, of course, he built a calculator for a watch. But once you have it, it's great for tips or just little quick things out and about. I use it a lot more than I thought I would when he first announced it. Yeah, I mean, something we didn't say earlier about the hardware is that because I wear the Apple Watch and I have the larger size iPhone, that somewhat mitigates that large size phone in the sense that there's a lot of stuff I can do without taking my phone out of my pocket. And the apps I choose are kind of engineered around that. You know, what are small tasks that normally would require me to grab my phone that I can now do from my wrist? Mm-hmm. There's also a whole suite of apps I try for sleep. Let's get to that in a minute. Um, but I historically have run Fantastical on my Apple Watch. I think Fantastical continues to do a better job at displaying data than the the built-in calendar app does. But the downside I found is sometimes Fantastical, for whatever reason, can't get the data off the phone fast enough and it doesn't update with my appointments as fast as the built-in calendar Mm. app does. And I think that's probably just Apple having an unfair advantage. Maybe. And with the new iOS seven, the, it just, the calendar app displays even so much better now that I may not keep fantastic. How long I'll just have to wait and see. Okay. Yeah. I've used fantastic on the watch before and I ran into the same issue you did. And so I've just stuck with the stock calendar on the watch. It works for me. Yeah. But those cards, like if you're a block scheduler, having to scroll a separate card for each event is maddening. Yeah. And they finally fixed that with iOS with watchOS seven. So everybody that, that has that problem, just stay tuned in a couple of months. You'll be okay. Steven could have the new calendar display today if he wasn't a coward. I hate to break it to you, but you can actually change it on watchOS six if you force press. Are you kidding me? And you go to list view and it looks just sounds oh like a gosh. list of things. So this was something that was always there mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it. Yeah. Some uh, real real time follow up here on Mac Power Users. I feel really dumb now. Okay. Well, I, to be fair, so let's talk about this. A lot of things in watchOS and watchOS apps were hidden behind force touch. And yeah. in watchOS 7, that's gone. And I fully expect the next watch hardware to, to remove the hardware functionality, just like they did on the phone. Force touch yeah. is gone everywhere. 3D touch, whatever they call it, is gone everywhere except the Mac. And I think it was confusing to people that these options weren't, immediately available now they did it because the watch is really tiny and you don't like a hamburger menu in all of your apps so developers will need to figure out a way to to show these things but 
it is something that is changing in the future. And I think honestly for the better. Yeah. It never occurred to me that if I, if I three, if I hard press, that's what I would call, it, I guess, what is it? A 3d touch. I think I it was they, force touch and they realized that was creepy. So they went to 3d touch, but I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. Well, it never occurred to me to try that to my calendar events to change it to this view. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's going away. Yeah. Um, I'm running the podcast app right now. Uh-huh. I like um, having podcasts on my wrist because I often will go on hikes and walks with just a pair of AirPods and my Apple Watch. Yeah. The podcast app does a fine job of it. You know, it keeps up the most recent. I don't subscribe to that many podcasts. Same thing with music. So it's it's fine for broadcasting that to my AirPods. Mm-hmm. Shortcuts is now on the watch. I've got it loaded. I'll save my comments for uh, when it's available to everyone. Okay. But right now, it's a mess. Yeah, I'll just leave it. Beta there. season. <laughs> yeah. Do is another one. You know, it's that weird nagging app to make sure I put the trash cans out on Thursday night. I don't do a lot through do, but the stuff I do is nice to have it on my wrist. Absolutely. Do is critical for me for a couple of tasks each day, medication, that sort of thing. And when it's on your wrist, you can't escape it, you know, Yep. <laughs> which is the point of do. It's the point of the app. Uh, so for me, we have a lot of overlap. I will mention the ones uh, that you haven't yet. Uh, so for me, Calzones is a big one. But again, by our friend David Smith, we keep mentioning him, but he is just a uh, an excellent watch OS developer. And so uh, his apps are just very useful. So Calzones lets you compare time zones and you can compare it against your calendar. So you could say, okay, I'm going to record MPU at one. What time is that for David? And I work with people spanning Pacific time all the way to Italy. So, you know, my work hours are greatly affected by my coworkers. And it's very important to me to be able to know what time it is when I suggest something or ask something. So Calzones has been a real lifesaver for me. Um, we mentioned Carrot Weather, but again, I'll just say, I think it's, if you're looking for like a really good watchOS app, just what a watchOS app can do, I would give Carrot the gold star in good complex watch app, but it's also really fast and easy to use. I think they've just killed it. Uh, another one, just a fun one, is Geneva Moon, also by David Smith. It just shows you the current uh, phase of the moon and like re- really realistic images. I like that. Just as a sort of a space nerd, uh, it's a fun one to have there. Uh, I listen to podcasts in Overcast. Overcast history with watch offline syncing is complicated at best. Marco's taken a couple of runs at it. I think like the podcast app and the calendar discussion we had a second ago, I think Apple probably is on unfair ground and that's a bummer, but Marco's gotten it working pretty well. It's not perfect, but I think he's really hamstrung by the tools available to him as a third party developer. If you really, or if offline podcast listening is really important to you, maybe check out the Apple app, but Overcast does a fine enough job for my needs. One thing uh, that I use as well that we haven't mentioned, um, at least by name, is Pedometer Plus Plus. It's a step counter, and it can combine steps from your watch and your phone. So I don't wear my watch every day. I wear it most days, but there's some days that I don't, and in which case it's using data from my phone and can keep up with my steps that way. Again, a David Smith special. We mentioned Strava, a workout app that I use for biking and running. And then the last two for me are The Score, which is a sports app, kind of like ESPN, but a lot more lightweight. And so I have my, you know, three or four or five favorite teams and I can get notifications for games if I want them. 
Uh, and then my task manager is Todoist. Basically, I don't enter tasks there. I don't manage tasks there. It's just a quick, hey, I'm in the post office. I mailed that letter. I'm just going to check it off while I'm in line when it's just on my wrist. And so it's really just for that sort of quick check off. Uh, and those are really it. And I'm really struck by the fact that both of our lists are pretty short. I mean, we use way more iPhone apps and iPad apps and Mac apps than this. But I think what's interesting is you can get a few really good apps on the watch and make it do what you need it to do. And these tools are all really specific, narrow use cases. There are not a lot of general apps on the watch like there may be on the Mac where something like Slack or Microsoft Office or something is kind of wide ranging and you can use it a bunch of different ways. Watch apps generally, if they're good, are narrow in scope. And I think it plays to the strength of the platform to be that way. Yeah, honestly, the only app I'd, if I had to give them all up, the only one I'd really miss would be drafts. Mm -hmm. You know, I I could still get by with the other stuff, pulling my phone out of my pocket. These just kind of make it more convenient. The the built-in stuff is great. Um, I do think that unfair advantage thing you talked about with third-party apps versus Apple stuff is true. I don't know whether it's memory allocation or data transfer speeds or what it is, but it just feels to me like, you know, you don't get, if you, if you've got two calendar apps and one is Apple's and one is somebody else's, the Apple one gets data faster. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I, maybe that will change as Swift UI becomes more mature. I really hope so because it's, it's really holding developers back to what they could do. That could be really, really cool. Now, let's talk a little bit about sleep. That's an upcoming feature. Um, have you ever used your watch to sleep? I have. I don't do it very often, but on the occasion that I do, I use Sleep Plus Plus. And right now, Watch 06, you have to do the trick of put in theater mode. I have a watch face that's black and just shows the time in red. But uh, I'm not a big sleep tracking person. I don't sleep particularly well. I could probably benefit from it but I really don't like wearing anything on my wrist while I sleep. And, uh, and so it hasn't been for me, but my, my wife on the other hand, Mary, she, I'm going to tell you a secret. She's actually a two Apple watch person. Her series five, she wears during the day and her old series three is her sleep watch. And so she, okay. one's on the Night charger watch day watch. Yeah. She would die if I was telling people this, uh, cause she finds it embarrassing, but on the smaller watch, if you work out every day, like she does, you're not going to be able to sleep track without, charging it you know a couple of times a day and so for her two watches made more sense but she uses sleep plus plus as well and you know you get simple graphs out of it and, and data and it talks to health kit and stuff and i know there are other apps out there in fact i want to talk to you about one that you have on your list but for basic needs sleep plus plus definitely gets the job done yeah the another one i've tried that i like is sleep cycle and sleep cycle tries to look at your rem cycles Mm -hmm. and tries to wake you up you give it like a a window i give it a half hour say like i want to be up by six so starting at 5 30 it'll start watching how i'm sleeping and if i'm fidgety and already kind of half awake it'll say okay get up now because the fear is that you'll fall back into deep sleep and then when the alarm goes off you'll be it'll be really hard because you're far down and you know it's harder to wake up yeah you you wake up feeling terrible (laughs) yeah um, and then I go back and forth because some experts say you're that's bad that you should get the extra half hour sleep. It's more important to get the extra half hour sleep than to be jarred awake out of deep sleep. Hmm. And I don't know, you know, this is 
science and medicine that I'm not an expert in. So I kind of go back and forth on it. But Sleep Cycle is a good app if you wanted to look at that window. Honestly, what I keep coming back to for alarms is just using the Apple alarm because I want to wake up with a tap on my wrist as opposed to an alarm going off because I'm nearly always getting up before my wife and I I feel bad. I don't want to wake her up, you know? So um, uh, I really like being woken up by a tap on my wrist. And that's one of the big reasons to wear the watch to bed. I also like if I wake up at night, I can just look at my wrist with watch OS seven. Apple has their own sleep mechanism. It's not as good as either sleep cycle or sleep plus plus in terms of the data collection. And honestly, it's just more automated and simple, which is kind of on brand for Apple. But there's a couple things I like about it. It can automatically run an automation. I haven't figured out exactly what that means yet for me, but I'm going to use it. And the night watch face is perfect. It's like a very dim and it turns on automatically. And when you wake up, it turns off automatically and you don't have to goof around with theater mode. Um, I think they got a lot right, but it's not going to give you the kind of data you want if you're a Mm -hmm. true sleep nerd. And if you don't sleep with your watch on it can still be useful at night so years ago they added uh nightstand mode so if you charge your watch flat you won't get this but if you charge it in a charger where it's you know upright uh and or you on its side oh yeah up yeah. on its side and you have like if you think about an old school alarm clock the digital crown and the side button are up like they're the buttons on the alarm clock uh it shows a it's, it uses green. It shows you the time and the date. If you have an alarm, it shows the alarm. If it's, you know, it'll be charging. So it shows you the charge level. But what's really cool is you can just nudge the watch or, or for me, even the nightstand that it's on and it yeah. lights up momentarily for you to check the time. I really like this, especially when I travel. You know, if you're in a hotel room, there may not be an alarm clock or it may be out of your line of sight. And nightstand mode on the watch is spectacular i've used it since they announced it uh, i have a, a little charging uh, station on my on my nightstand and it's fantastic yeah even if you just tap the nightstand yeah it doesn't take much at not all even close to it. it's very sensitive and like hotels i don't understand what it is about these hotels but they put in these alarm clocks with these led digits that are as bright as the sun yep um, whenever I go into a hotel room, the first thing is I unplug the alarm clock and stick it in a drawer. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> using the Apple Watch is fine. Uh, the charging problem with wearing the Apple Watch, I can tell you it's not really much of a problem for me. I take the watch off in the morning when I'm showering. And sometimes in the evening, I'll take it off as well. Once my rings are complete, I don't feel as bad taking it off. <laughs> um, and I also keep an extra cable at my iMac desk. And I keep it in that we talked about on our desk setup episode, how I have that little drawer underneath my desk. Mm -hmm. I keep the cable inside there. And if I had like a long workout in the morning, I may give it a mid afternoon charge. The trick there is to set an alarm. Anytime you take your watch off to remind you to put it back on, because there's nothing worse than having like a real hard workout day and not filling all your rings because you left your watch in the charger for three hours and you don't get your stand count. Yeah. It's a bummer that, that is just maddening. But I like wearing it to bed, and I'm used to it now, even with the titanium, which is a little heavier than the aluminum. Mm-hmm. And at night, if I wake up, I can look at my wrist and see what time it is, and it's all good. Yeah. And I, the sleep data is surprising to me. And it's interesting if you chart out your sleep quality versus your general level of joy and content the next day, there is a direct 
relationship. I mean, there is no question that sleep is very important. Definitely. All right. Um, what would you like to see Apple do to improve the Apple watch at this point? Uh, for me, I'd like it to be smarter about its surroundings. So one thing coming in watch OS seven, which we'll talk about later this year is you can change watch faces based with shortcuts. So you could like fire a shortcut called I'm home and maybe it turns on your lights and changes your watch face or, or whatever. But particularly in complications, I like complications to be able to change based on location, day, and even date. So for me, on the weekends, I very often use a watch face that may just be the time. I don't need to see my tasks. I don't need to see uh, other things. I just want something really simple. And you can do that. We mentioned Watchsmith. You can do it through Watchsmith. You can do it by having multiple watch faces you you switch between. But look, this thing is with me all the time. It should be more aware of what's going on around it. And I like to see Apple push harder in that direction so it can be more proactive in how I want it to to act and look throughout throughout the week. Yeah, you're going to be really happy with shortcuts. You can set time-based automations to change your watch face. I'm looking forward to that. And you can set those per day. So like you can have different ones on the weekend than the weekdays. Like one of the ones I've been doing through the beta is at 7 p.m., my watch face turns to the Breathe app watch face, which is literally two hands and a circle, and there's no data. And it's just a reminder to me when I look at my watch, like, okay, this isn't the time to be looking at your next appointment or your block schedule or whatever. This is the time to be hanging out with your your family. And um, I, I actually kind of like that. So uh, I've got multiples of these set. I've got week, like I said earlier, I've got weekend, morning, afternoon, because I kind of switch gears afternoon. You know, I have like the Max Barkey job I try to do from like six to 12 and the legal job from like 12 to six. So I change faces depending on what I'm doing. And to automate that really is great because when you look at your watch face and it helps you once again, get back to that context switch to put your brain where it belongs. Agreed though. I think more of that is better. And um, the thing that I would like to see is more customizability. As I said earlier, I'm unhappy with watch faces and I would like to not be unhappy. You know, so open it up as much as you feel comfortable. Apple, please let us, uh, it's okay if you think my watch face is ugly. You don't have to look at it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so it sounds like the Apple Watch is useful to you, something you, you value in in life. How would you quantify that? Is it something that if you broke yours or lost yours today, you go out and replace it? Is it something that's secondary? Like, How does it fit into the life of David Sparks. It's a 24 seven device for me. You know, I know some people have soured on the Apple watch in the last few years. I know like Mike Hurley doesn't wear one anymore or very rarely wears one, but I love it. And, um, you know, as somebody who grew up a nerd and I've tried a lot of smart watches over the years, this one gets it right. I feel like the health stuff, even though I, there's more work to be done on my body, uh, the health stuff only helps me and it's good. And I like the notifications on my wrist and because I block schedule, it helps me keep on track. You know, like I said earlier, it helps me with the context shift. It only helps. And I, I get so much more out of this than I've ever got out of a watch before. So I have, while I have complaints, I have no intention to stop using it. I went through a phase, it really lined up with the series four watch. And it was true when I started on MPU, 
that I didn't really wear the Apple Watch very often. I'd only wear it on days that I worked out. And that has changed. Part of it is that I really like the Titanium Series 5. I, just, I like having it on me. Uh, but part of it is, too, is I think it's just I had to refactor how the watch worked. It was it was useful in a very different way when I had a job, a nine to five. Right. And my day was very driven by meetings and I had it really set up to support that sort of thing. And I really kind of had to start over when I settled into independent life. And that took a while to to sort out. And and now I wear it basically every day. Now, sometimes on the weekends, I won't. I'll, I'll wear something else. Or if, you know, my wife and I go out uh, in the before times, we would, uh, I would wear something else. And I still like mechanical watches. I own a couple and, you know, none of them are very nice. I'm not an expensive watch person, but I like how they look and how they operate. And I find them fascinating. So I still dip my toes in that other water a fair amount. But it is more important to me than it was a couple of years ago. And I am hopeful with watch OS seven and shortcuts in particular to be able to automate some of these changes. I want to sort of force on it, this awareness that I want. I'm excited about that. And I think that for me, it's going to be something that I I continue to wear, you know, most of the time. Yeah. Except for two watches that are family heirlooms. I have given all of my mechanical watches away. Wow. I don't, I just don't wear yeah. them. You know? no, it's not, not that any of them were super expensive and the heirloom ones aren't that expensive either. They're just, you know, it was yeah. my grandfather's watch. I'm not going to get rid of it. Right. But I, uh, I really like these watches, but at the same time, I've spent way more money on Apple watches than I'd ever spent on a watch in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's great. And I hope that Apple keeps improving upon it. I know Kevin Lynch was looking really fit this year yeah. in the uh, keynote. I feel like he's using his Apple watch for good. Take care of yourself, Kevin. <laughs> we used to make fun of Kevin Lynch. He's the guy from Adobe that said Flash was necessary for everyone. Yeah, he was the Flash guy. And now he's the now he's the Apple Watch guy. So yeah. Using his powers for good. That's right. I, I think it's great. I'm I hope Apple keeps doing it. I think they will. I think they see. It. I mean, when they've got that huge market share, I don't think they want to give up that lead. You know, it is that you know, the getting back to the beginning of the show. They sold it as this thing that could be independent of your phone. And, you know, it's only a question of time before it is something like that. And who knows, maybe if we get to a point where, you know, we use augmented reality glasses instead of a, an iPhone in your pocket, the watch might be a really nice compliment for that. Who knows? Yeah. Well, state of the Apple Watch, pretty good. I think it is. It's amazing how much progress they've made. And I think Apple's really going to keep its foot down until it gets it where it wants it to be. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we are the Mac Power Users. We're going to do an extended episode for members where we're going to talk about Steven's home screen. Yeah. His new beta it's home screen. It's got widgets on it. <laughs> yeah. But, but in the meantime, thank you to our sponsors, uh, One Password, Smile, and Squarespace. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. If you want to join in the forums, talk.macpowerusers.com. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>